0: On today's Locked on Jayhawks, going to be joined by Scott Chasen. We're going to go over some KU basketball season preview with Scott.
1: You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. You can also hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN. And we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also available on YouTube and on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks. If you're watching on YouTube, you can already see Scott right next to me here and we're going to do some uh, KU basketball season preview talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh State game coming up later today when this is going to be released uh and we're also going to get into Scott's worst coaching decisions of the week but before we get into any of that real quick today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts and also Scott Will be making his last episode appearance today. That's because he has a new job. So we would bring him on, say Scott Chasen, Booth Review of Kansas City Sports Network. Now officially Scott Chasen of the Kansas City Star. Would you like to share your your job news?
1: Well, that's very nice. I hadn't this is the first time I've been introduced in that. And I literally taped a podcast episode yesterday that my co-host did not do that. Um No, uh, yeah, I'm going to be the new assistant sports editor at the Kansas City Star. And I'm, you know, obviously ecstatic. I've been in in and around this area a long time. I've been at the Journal World and Capital Journal previously. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm really stoked and fired up. I'm very sad that I won't be on here. But Derek, I know you got some fun stuff lined up. So I won't spoil anything for anyone. But um, there will be, uh, you know, it will be smooth sailing after I am gone. And I will continue to listen and make Locked on Jayhawks my first podcast listen every day.
0: I appreciate it. So uh, let's get into the content here. Kansas, Pittsburgh State in the exhibition. Kansas minus 40. Would you take the line? I just made that up.
1: I probably wouldn't. Um, This feels like a textbook, Bill Self, because I guess he is still coaching this one, Um, trying to figure things out, weird lineups, what's working, what isn't, 36-point Allen Fieldhouse win right (laughs) under your 40-point line. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is going to win by a lot of points. Um, It's an exhibition game against uh, you know, not a D1 team. So you would expect to win by a lot of points. You have overpowering talent. Um, you know, I, I expect guys to look athletic and good. I expect there to be a lot of dunks. I bet the, you know, like, uh, you know, Ernest Duda and, and some of those guys, Zuby maybe, like there's going to be a lot of lobs and a lot of inside scoring that I don't know how much you can totally count on, um, you know, at least to start the year. But I, I think you'll see some of that. And I think you'll see Jalen Wilson look super athletic. I think you'll see Grady Dick, whether or not he plays well, you know, freshmen don't always play well in those exhibitions, just because they're figuring it out. So, yeah, I would probably take Pitt State to cover, but I that does that's not because I envision this being an eight point game. I, I just think it'll be probably you know end up in the 30s and maybe get a little closer late.
0: Yeah, I don't know that there'll actually be a betting line released or whatnot. <laughs> uh, to your point on the freshmen, I remember Josh Jackson had. Uh, A tough game in his exhibition game, had a lot of turnovers, didn't score a lot of points, wasn't super efficient from the field, and he ended up being just fine. He was a uh, (laughs) third-team All-American, so uh, I wouldn't overjudge. I I don't know how much you can really learn from a game like this. It is one small piece to the puzzle. Uh, Maybe we'll learn a little bit about the center position, but uh, as far as, I don't know, if if somebody did play well, like who playing well would mean the
1: most to you? Is there anybody, or, or does it just not really matter? I think it'd be Grady Dick, actually. And and specifically, I like if you saw Grady Dick just come out and hit like 10 threes or something, like he's not going to because guys don't shoot that volume, and, and that's not really how Keyu's offense is set up generally. But I, I think if you could pick one guy, like if the big men play a great game, it'll be like, great, let's see him do it against a guy their size or with their talent level, their pedigree in a strength program who's been around a veteran, you know what I mean? Like you can wipe that away. And and like Dewan Harris, you know he's going to be good and steady for this team same with Jalen Wilson. Like if Jalen Wilson is dominant, great. If he's not, it's like, whatever. Um, even Kevin McCullough to an extent, but I, th- I think you want to see Grady Dick demanding the ball, putting up three point shots. I want to see him shoot at least eight of them. Again, probably won't because college volume doesn't get there, but I, I don't want to see any timidity. Um, I want to, you know, if I'm, if I'm Kansas, I want to see him firing at will and just really going for it. And I want to see, a KU offense that encourages him to do that. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't want, you know, if I'm, if I'm Bill self, I don't want him working against the offense, but I want to create an offense where my best shooter feels comfortable shooting a lot. And so I, I think that's specifically the thing I'm going to look at is, is, is he at least shooting the ball? Is he at least demanding the ball? Is he at least confident and decisive? Cause I think, I think that stuff you can learn a little bit about, but yeah, I, you know, let's say Zuby edge of four goes for 30 points and they're all on dunks. I'll be like, you know, okay, he's a super athletic dude with a great long wingspan. He can jump. He's, you know, he's got a great motor. He's a great kid. How does that translate against Duke or Kentucky? You know, it's, it's not the same
0: yeah you're right the only way is if like the other three centers do well i, I guess Cam martin's probably not going to play because of injury but i don't know what what kj or or Jalen wilson let's say the other two centers go combine two for 10 and zuby edge for 30 points mm. maybe we'll take something away from that sure. to, like he has a leg up in the competition but you're right in terms of versus the other team we won't take too much of it uh as far as that goes the guy for me honestly because uh, we know what Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson can be. Maybe we don't know how good or, or how progressed they're going to be this season. Same with a guy like Kevin McCuller um, with MJ Rice. He's just such a good athlete that I would expect him to uh, have a good game. Who knows? Maybe the shot isn't there uh, in the game, but it, it's Joe Yesifu like everything you were saying about the shot and whatnot and being aggressive like that's what Joe Yesifu needs to be this year to get a role on this team to have playing time for KU to play kind of two guards next to each other with him as an off guard. If he's going to have any role on this team and it's interesting, like you could convince me that he doesn't have much of a role on the team, but if he is a good shooter and shot maker, then he's going to have a very big role on the team because this is going to be someone who has a skill that this Kansas team certainly needs. And so how aggressive is he? How does the shot look? Because those are both things that, Didn't really translate last season after he came over from Drake. Now a little bit of a different role, though, than last season when he was more of kind of a backup point guard. I'm interested to see uh, what that looks like. If there is anybody who plays poorly, like we said with the freshman, I wouldn't really worry about it. But uh, would that mean the most to you of of anyone playing poorly? There's one guy clearly for me.
1: Yeah, I I actually do have one guy clearly. And it's not Zach Clements. I don't know if he's that's mine. Oh, okay. Um but Zach Clements is a weird case just because he's such a different kind of player I, that, at least at this point, I expect him to be very matchup dependent. When I think about a Bill Self rotation, the easiest way to to not fall in the trap of like, oh, this guy can play and this guy can play. And I know that's something Nick Schwartz used to talk about, something you talk about a lot. Like Bill Self's not playing 11 guys when he gets to March. He's going to play seven, maybe an eighth. Sometimes. And like it, it just happens every year. There are talented guys who will not play. And I don't care how good they are. It's just not who Bill Self is. He's going with the guys he trusts to win the biggest games. If you look at it like this, you got three three players can fit into the one and the two, three players can fit into the three and the four, and two players are gonna play the five. That gives you eight guys. And that's usually not a bad way to do it, right? Like that pretty much gives you your bill self rotation. And why I bring that up is because, you know, Dewan Harris is going to play and you know, there's going to be a backup point guard between Bobby Pettiford and Joe Yesifu. Now, if Bobby Pettiford is healthy, uh, you know, like uh, maybe they both play. Like, I, I think that's the swing position to me is Joe Yesufu versus uh, MJ Rice. That, that is the, and they or play KJ Adams positions. on the wing. Yeah. I, I think he's more of a question of like the, the wings to the big spot. But to me, I agree. But yeah. if KJ
0: is playing at the four and you have Grady Dick and MJ Rice at the two and three or Jalen at the three, Kevin mm-hmm. McCuller at the two or whatever, it basically slides guys up. So I, I think ba- yeah. I, basically what you're saying is there, it could be two guards, three wings, two centers, and the eighth spot is one of a guard or another wing.
1: Exactly. Well, that that's where I'm at, basically. And, and but I put it down between those guys. Um, if. Joe Yesifu is like really good enough to demand the court and Bobby Pettiford is healthy. And, you know, they backed off a little bit of like how much they've hyped him up. But if both of those guys are playing, find me some minutes for MJ Rice because Jalen Wilson is playing, you know, uh, Kevin McCullough is playing. Grady Dick is playing like, you, I'm sorry. Like, again, that's what I talk about. Like he is talented. He's, I think ended at five star range. Very talented guy should have a role on this team in March. I'm saying in this hypothetical where all those guys are playing, Bill Self's not playing nine guys. He's not playing 10. So he would be the one that I would say, you know, he probably will struggle a little early and he's going to have to earn his spot on the team because yeah, you go to those wings, wing positions, right? Two guys are going to, or three guys are going to play the three and the four. Most of those minutes. Okay. Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, and, and, you know, Grady Dick is in the equation either. If you want to call a guard or a wing, whatever, but he's taken a spot too. So uh, your point on K.J. Adams is a good one. I think the big man stuff will end up being more situational this year, and there may be, like, a Zach Clemens-K.J. Adams game or a Ernest Duda-Zuby Edgeford game. Like, I, th- I think that'll be more situational and sliding. And I'm I'm still kind of considering K.J. Adams a big right now because I don't think the big position is – like, I think it's probably K.U.'s weakest. And also, I don't, I don't think he's developed enough shooting um, to kind of allow him to be played as a wing at this point. So it, when you do it like that, it, it pretty much becomes – Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, MJ Rice, pick two. Two of those guys are going to play. One of those guys is not going to play. And so, yeah, that long-winded answer, and I I don't know that I made that point clearly at all, but I, the gist of it is three guys, two spots, Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, MJ Rice, and I'm interested to see who gets left out.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of, of kind of succinctly saying it. For me, it is Clements because – the, the thing with Ernest Zuday and Zuby Edge for uh, not just freshmen, but like you expect them to, like you say, physically kind of impose your will. With Zach Clements, you know he can be a stretch five. The questions that Bill Self has for him are about his back to the basket scoring, his physical presence inside, his defense, his rebounding. So if you struggle against Pitt State in those regards, that's not a good sign moving forward because those are the areas that Bill Self needs to see from you and if yeah. you can't do it against this team who are you going to do it against
1: but don't, right, don't, uh, I expect him to have a good game sorry to cut you off real quick don't, no. don't you expect him though I mean he he came in with the pedigree highly ranked recruit you'd expect him to have a good game I
0: think I do I do it's just the hypothetical if he did struggle all right in just a second I want to get to some uh season predictions with Scott did you know that over the holidays property crimes like burglaries Package thefts they spike nationally. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe Holiday system for half off today and enjoy greater peace of mind this holiday season. They've got great features too like the ability to control your system right from your phone where you can watch crystal clear HD live streams of your cameras. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafecom college today. This is their biggest discount of the year. so don't wait that's simplysafe.com locked on college. there's no safe like simply safe. So uh, this is being obviously your last show so I don't know if you have any like season prediction takes for KU football KU basketball you want to get to here. Let's start with basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna make you choose right now. Who is the starting five and thoughts on my prediction of KJ
1: Adams beginning the year as the five and Ernest Duday finishing out the year? I think that would be the best for KU's ceiling if one of the freshmen take took the five spot and ran with it. Um it'll be it'll be KJ Adams or Zach Clements. I, I feel pretty confident. Um if it's not, that to me would read, you know, my esoteric interpretation of things. Um and who am I? But uh, you know, that would be Bill Self making a point. Um, you know, I, I'd feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. I mean, four of the spots are locked in because I mean, Bill self pretty much said as much on the, I think it was the late night in the fog broadcast where he was like, yeah, look, it's, it's going to be Grady Dick. And then the three guys you'd expect Kevin McCuller, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris guys that, you know, we know we've seen be in the program or produce at a, in Kevin McCuller's case at a, a big 12 level for a while. Um, yeah, it's it's the only thing for me is it's really kind of tough to make that projection with a freshman, but I, I don't think I disagree with you. Like, I, I think that's KU's highest ceiling. I think that's what happens in a perfect world, but I'll, I'll say this, and it, this is not like me challenging Zach Clements to be great or anything like that. But in my mind, I'm like, if you're Zach Clements, like you, you've you got to look around this room you got to hear Bill self telling anyone who will listen that there's no separation at that center spot And like, there's kind of two ways people can go with that. They can take that and be demoralized or not have the confidence, or you can like take it and get mad and be like, okay, I'm going to outwork every single one of these dudes in the program. And like, it's not even going to be a question you know, I'm going to do what I can with physicality inside and I'm going to be a good finisher. You know, that was part of his game coming out. People liked his touch around the rim. Um, I'm going to seal guys off. I'm going to know the playbook better than anyone. I've I've been in this program. I'm going to hit threes. I'm going to be crucial. And like I don't want to say his like his career hinges on this season because I don't think it does. Like I think he'll have the chance in future years to be a very good and productive player. But this, if you want to talk about like turning points in your career, this is probably the first like pivot point of Zach Clements' career. Are you going to take off and make it clear that you're the most talented big man in the program, or are you not maybe going to respond to that the best way? And so. Um, it's not a prediction. And like I said, I'm not trying to like give a speech and fire a guy up or anything. That's just how I kind of view it is like, we're going to learn a lot about what's inside of him and maybe his mentality. I feel like throughout this season with the ups and downs, and maybe it just turns out one of those guys is, is ultra talented and a superstar, and is going to be an early, you know, NBA draft pick, and they'll take that position and run with it. But I see opportunity, um, Anytime there's a question, there's opportunity. And I think he's got a really interesting chance that if he can do it, um, you know, he could take it and run. But so far, it doesn't seem like there's been that separation.
0: What if for all we know, just all four of them are amazing and there's no separation (laughs) because they're all like All-American? No. Um, That's fair, though. You Uh, heard all the stories about
1: like they can't stop Dave from scoring in practice. And then you're like, well, who are the other big men on the team? I'm not criticizing anyone or going to call anyone out, but it's like, He's been unstoppable, and then he gets in games and he's struggling. And it's like take inventory of that position group so that it's reasonable. Maybe they're all ahead of schedule.
0: Uh, do you have a a bold take or prediction or individual guess for for anything that's going to happen this KU basketball season?
1: Um, I got a bad vibe in the back court between the Joe Yesufu Bobby Pettiford thing I was talking about. Um, and that's not like any secret. I mean, Bobby Pettiford's been injured. And for Joe Yesifu, it's been about, can he figure it out? And, you know, Bill Self had the quote that Bill Self has got him so messed up trying to defend, he's forgotten how to score or something like that. And uh, between the two of them, you need somebody to emerge. And I'm, I'm actually a pretty big Joe Yesifu believer. Um, I really like his game. I, th- I think he showed flashes, obviously, at Drake. But I even think he showed some flashes at KU when he had to fill in for Remy and play next to DeJuan uh, Harris last year. There were, there were times where he was legitimately game-changing good, even if his numbers weren't necessarily representing that. And um, one of those guys just has to take that spot and run. And I know this program's really high on Bobby Pettiford. In fact, Bill Self pretty much already said that, hey, when it's not Dewan's team, it's Bobby's team. But can he stay healthy enough to deserve that? And if not, does Joe Yesifu have the confidence and the ability to execute at that consistent level? Um, so that's it's not really a bold prediction, but if KU is going to hit bumps and bruises, two things that stand out to me are like that second guard next to Dewan Harris, specifically when it's not Grady Dick, when you're not playing that extra wing. And then also that the big man spot. I, I think those will be two storylines that come up the whole year. But um, I, I this is to me the probably the most volatile KU team in terms of like top to bottom, ceiling to floor that I can remember. Um I truly believe anything between a one and a six seed is on limits and a six seed is for KU. It's like the sky is falling, but whatever. But, and, and again, that's like the bo- the floor for me. I, I, it would take some craziness for them to be worse than that. But um, I, I just think they could be national champion caliber good, or they could be like, yeah, they're going to make the tournament, but this is a, maybe, uh, maybe you get to the sweet 16. You're like, okay, let's see what next year is like year. So, There are more question marks this year than I can probably ever remember on a team that I've covered. And and granted, it's like seven or eight years, but that's, you know, a a pretty good chunk of time to have this many questions.
0: I definitely think if you gave me which team is going to be better this year, next year, like I'm taking next year, even though in this day and age, you never know who's coming back, whether it's going pro or going to the transfer portal, but. I, I think I would take that as well. I do think the floor is higher than a six because of Jalen and DeWan. I still think it's probably a four, but I, I
1: I get the sentiment that you're talking about there. You know, I pick six. Why? Because six is still top twenty-five. Because you know, if there are four teams on each seat, like, like I again, I don't see them falling out of the top twenty-five. And yeah, and and to be clear, that's like you never figure out the yeah. center spot. Ku shooting doesn't come around. Bobby Pettif- or, uh yeah, Bobby Pettiford's injury issues pop up. Like that's, I truthfully, they'll be two three or four they'll be in that range I I would be surprised if they finished outside of that but um I they it's just volatile there there are a lot of different results and a lot of paths including that they just look great and they do some different things and opponents in the big 12 are like are you kidding me we might have figured out some things against one style of play and now KU is just awesome at something else like it's just it could be all over the map and so I'm really interested for that
0: yeah, it really could. I thought you were saying 60 because of the Danny and the miracles. Um, So oh, no. KU football again, this is your last show here. So do you have any predictions for what happens the rest of the season? It can be a record prediction. It can be a Jalen Daniels thing. It could be a individual player you think is going to break out. What do you want to uh, give a bold prediction as you leave for football?
1: Well, I thought they, I thought they were going to beat Oklahoma state. And that was just with Spencer Sanders being injured, um, not knowing. And I think we still don't know if he's in or out, um, I just think this team is playing better than people may recognize because of like, like the Baylor game is the prime example, like I know they were down 28 to three, but like how different is that game? If Quentin Skinner just doesn't fumble two times on the first play of a drive. And that's like, again, we're, we're not talking about, well, they missed this third down and this fourth down and this, you know what it's like, how often in a college football season do you fumble on the first play of your drive? I would say for a season if i were betting on it the over under would be 0.5 for a season like that doesn't happen um especially if you come out you should be sharp so like weird stuff happened in that game but KU was pretty much decisively better when they stopped you know from that point on i mean i know they were down 28 to 3 and they ended up losing you know they were right there they were stop and score away from winning at the end of the game i saw nothing in that game that was like KU doesn't belong in the field and that was with Quarterback injured, running back injured, two linemen getting injured, number one wide receiver injured, number one edge rusher injured, number one cornerback injured, like all that, and they were just right there against a Baylor team that just blew out Texas Tech. So I think I think the Big 12 is so even. Um, I made the point with betting lines. Like OU Iowa State was a one-point betting line. KU beat one team and lost to the other team. So what does that tell you? Well, that, that says KU is just in the mix with all these good teams. So um, I think the losing streak has worried some people, And I think if they lose to Oklahoma State, especially if Spencer Sanders doesn't play, then alarm bells completely justified. Um, I still think six. Let me rephrase. I think seven is the most likely win total for this team, followed by six, followed by five. Um, And you could maybe sway me to six, seven, five. But I I just think this is a good Big 12 team. I think Big 12 teams beat each other. Maybe. Yeah, maybe six, seven, five. I don't know. But I I still am expecting this team to be eligible. And that's regardless of Jalen Daniels, just because I think they have the talent.
0: All right, we uh, are going to get to the final Scott's worst coaching decisions of the week coming up here. But first, this episode is brought to you by Sweat Block. It's getting to be warm sweater season, and while it's cold enough to go outside to rock a sweater or your ugly Christmas sweater party, usually the heat's cranked up indoors. Last thing you want to do is lift up those arms, and boom, you've got pit stains in front of your family, friends, coworkers, or even your boss. Plus, it's even worse if you smell. Solve your problems with Sweat Block. Sweat Block wipes are must-haves for everyone's toiletry bags. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, everyone can benefit. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try SweatBlock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. All right, we have the worst coaching decisions of the week. This will be the, the final one. So we're going to, I guess, announce our season winner, um, and you can see below, we've got the ticker. If you're watching on YouTube, it's got our leaderboard of the overall for the Scott's worst coaching decisions of the week. First place, Nathaniel Hackett, Matt Campbell in second place, and then a whole bunch of guys tied third and then tied ninth behind them for their different appearances. So Scott, uh, who are the candidates for this week's?
1: Uh, that's just funny that the at one point the graphic said worst coaches Nathaniel Hackett, Matt Campbell, Nathaniel Hackett, just in a different way. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, uh, well, I'm, well, I'm one of the candidates this week is uh, Nathaniel Hackett, who had a delay of game before a kickoff, as Steam did. Mm. Uh, they also had a delay of game before fourth and one at their own 29. They couldn't decide if they were going for it or not. Then they ended up obviously punting just with five yards worth of field position. Uh, while trying to run out the clock, he tried to call a timeout with five seconds on the play clock uh, instead of one. So, um Few, few decisions there, although I don't think this should go to him this week because I think his team won, so they've actually won some games. Broncos country, let's ride. They won um, despite him, though. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Robert Sala of the Jets, this drives me crazy. Uh, they punted down 12 with 525 left, and it was 4th and 12. But here's the thing. When you punt, you're basically guaranteeing you'll need to recover an onside kick. And Derek, getting a 4th and twelve is like seven times easier than recovering an expected onside kick, which has like a 5% success rate. Like I, I, coaches don't necessarily think this through all the time because they're thinking about in the moment and not future. Like they're thinking, well, if the score is that, like X, Y, and Z, but like uh, basically it would have to be like fourth and 25 for me before I'm like, let's try an onside kick and see if that works out. Like the odds are just better to get that conversion.
0: I'm trying to remember, was it the AAF or the xfl that they did the instead of an onside kick you just went for it on essentially what was like a fourth and 15 15. or 17 or something like that because they found that the odds were actually better so so to your point
1: yeah and and the odds of recovering an onside kick used to be higher but now there are rules and things that limit it and coaches devote more time to it so it like never happens fourth and 15 is good i think they would just like give you a fourth and 15 and so you can either punt it or you can just go for it um I love that role. The NFL, like, coaches have proposed that. I think Jim Harbaugh actually proposed that. And, like, the Chiefs should love that role. That'd be a fun role. Um, third was Todd Bowles. Like, I don't know if you watched this Buccaneers loss, but this was, like, a fourth down master class. So they punted at a fourth and fourth the 49. They punted on a fourth and two on the 47. And that's all fine and well. They were down 11, and they kicked field goals on fourth and goal at the 8 and fourth and 9 at the 12. And, again, I know fourth and eight, fourth and 9, it sounds so far. But here's the problem. When you keep kicking field goals to cut it to eight and cut it to eight, you are never a score away from winning the game. You are a score and a two-point conversion away from having to go to overtime and then score again to win the game. So in every time, there was just an answer, another field goal, another field goal, and they ended up losing by five and never had a chance to drive for the win because they kept kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking. And so any one of those four become a touchdown. um, They are at least tied at the end of that game. The final one, because there were four this week, I wanted to leave you on a high note, uh, is Steve Nash. Derek, Steve Nash was my favorite basketball player growing up. Steve Nash won MVP averaging like 17 points a game. People get mad about it. That team went from 29 wins to 62 wins because they added Steve Nash. That's what an MVP is. They bring incredible value by how they play the game. He led the league in assists, whatever. Steve Nash should not have taken the Nets job. And I know it's great to get a head coaching job, and I know – Coaching Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sounds like a fun time, Derek. I watched the Nets game with some friends last night. At the time, it did. Before we knew uh, about a lot of different things, um, uh, we I, I was with some friends. We were watching the Suns game last night, but before that was the Nets Bulls game. And the Nets were up, and Kenny Smith is like, "Look, they're defending better." And Charles Barkley was like, "That has nothing to do with Steve Nash." And then, oh by the way, they blew a double digit lead at the end of the game and lost. And it was like, "Yeah, this is the most." like, I don't, I don't know if toxic is well toxic is actually probably a correct word here, but just a team of personalities of guys that don't work, that have no leadership, that don't try, that don't give the right effort that in some cases, I mean, you, you obviously what's going on with Kyrie Irving and anti-Semitism, and on a much, much more serious note than like a joking coaching award. But um, yeah, I mean, for Steve Nash, You're hearing it today. Steve Kerr was like, what would any coach do in that situation? Monty Williams said he had to deal with more off-court stuff than anyone ever. Um, So yes, the worst coaching decision of the week, month, year, and lifetime was probably Steve Nash being like, yeah, I'll go be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And then like two weeks later, Kyrie Irving saying, it's actually like we don't have a coach. I can be a coach. Kevin Durant can be a coach. Um, So maybe their problem was that they had too many coaches. Uh, So all the many Brooklyn Mm. Nets coaches um, are the worst coach of the week.
0: I love it. So, uh, is that the, the choice? Is that the decision for this week?
1: Yes, it is Steve Nash. So the end ends up being Nathaniel Hackett, uh, in a landslide, actually Matt Campbell ends up at number two and then yeah, Nathaniel Hackett special decisions coach. I'm reading off my, I have a little spreadsheet that I've made. Um, but we had lots of different, different options and you're welcome to steal this by the way. I do not hold a, uh, a patent on bad coaching decisions.
0: Well, I love it. Well, Scott, I appreciate you today. I appreciate you all year long coming on with us and seriously, good luck and uh you're well deserved to get the the job with the Kansas City Star.
1: Well, I appreciate that. The luck is needed and always appreciated. And uh, I'm not joking, by the way, Derek knows this. You may you the listener viewer may not. I literally text Derek every day while I'm listening to his radio show like, oh, hey, you said this. I have a thought. And uh, yeah, it's funny. So, no, I, I am a listener and you should be, too, to everything Derek does because that man is a rock star. Thanks.
0: I appreciate it. Well, that is Scott Jason for the final time here on our show with Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to preview the KU Oklahoma State game. If you have anything that you would like for the show to talk about, you can reach out at D. Johnson Radio on Twitter. Uh, You can also subscribe to our show on anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube now. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. We had a bonus episode yesterday detailing the Bill Self four-game suspension self-imposed by Kansas if you're looking for that. And uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today from 3 to 6 on KLWN Lawrence. Have a good one. Later.